It is Friday, April 28th. I'm Scott Seidenberg. And I'm A.J. Hoffman. First round of the NFL draft in the books. And Will Levis and I have something in common. Here comes the Vegas truth. This is Straight out of Vegas. We are straight out of Vegas AM, your daily destination for sports conversation with a Vegas lean. Here's what you need to know to start your day. Bryce Young goes number one. No surprise. Texans making big moves at the top of the draft. And Will Levis waiting Waiting, 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 still in the green room. The draft is the Vegas lead, uh, guys. And again, no shocker. Bryce Young goes number one overall. The Panthers didn't waste a bunch of time. Got the card in. Bryce Young is the guy. Uh, Bryce Young did not look any taller being interviewed by a woman on ESPN. Uh, that was a bad move by ESPN to like to put a woman that was nearly his size uh, interviewing him. I would have gone with like the shortest lady you had mm-hmm. just to make him feel big. No, but- they're empowering little people. It's good. Okay, well, whatever works. No, but I get the idea. Like optics wise, like try and make him look bigger by putting somebody smaller to interview him. Yeah. That would be, uh, but like if, like they if, didn't. Like if Ryan Seacrest interviewed him, he would look tall. No, but you're saying, how can I make Brian uh, Young look good? They don't care about that. They want a good narrative. Which the shortest, narrative smallest tiny. guy got so, drafted number so one. They, that's a good so narrative. So they send out like John. Like, so they send out like John Sally seven. to like interview. Like, <laughs> like, I don't know who's their tallest employee. He has I don't know. Like, yeah. Kendrick Perkins. Kendrick Perkins. Yeah, that would. Yeah. <laughs> tell me about. Hello. You, tell me about you getting drafted. Number one. Look at my finger. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, So Bryce Young, number one overall. Not a lot of people thought that the Texans were looking at C.J. Stroud. Well, because of the S2 score was so bad. He's obviously the dumbest quarterback that we've ever seen. I think the the Texans threw up a smoke screen. I think they said, this score is so important that we might not even draft this guy. So no one's calling to trade up. They're like, oh yeah, well, he, is, he could be brighter, you know. It could he could have done better on that test. Texans take him number two. Now the Cardinals are like, oh, well, someone's got to call us. Like, uh, you know, th- th- now's the time to take Will Levis or Anthony Richardson. Mm-hmm. Who calls? Who calls the Cardinals? The Texans. Hey, we'd like to pick again. What'll it cost? It costs them the number twelve pick this year. It costs them their first rounder next year, and. To clarify, the Texans, who have two first-round picks next year, is theirs and the Browns. They're trading their own Mm -hmm, mm first-round pick next year, which apparently upset some Texans fans. Here's what I believe. Will Anderson is a better player, a better building block than any player they can draft next year, specifically because they've drafted their quarterback now. Mm -hmm. So, like, if you were waiting around next year and, like, the hope was you could get Caleb Williams – Okay, I get not trading that 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 pick next year. Yeah, you've dra- you've committed to a quarterback now. There won't be a better player that you can get than Will Anderson next year. So trading next year's uh, yeah, pick, like, like what Marvin Harrison Jr. You're not drafting a wide receiver. I mean, may, maybe that's the guy. Who else? Brock Bowers, tight end. Yeah, like, like these are these are the best players that will be in the draft. Next Will year. Anderson's a building block guy. Yeah, uh, he's a character guy. Like this is a good pick. And I, I was glad for the Texans that they didn't reach for Tyree Wilson, which was the rumor for like the last month that mm. Tyree Wilson was there, the guy they were looking at. 
Of course, who do the Raiders go after? The guy who, we're not sure if he's good at football, but in shorts, this guy dominates. So the, the question that I have with the Texans, though, is why not, and, and congratulations to anybody who bought in and, and held that C.J. Stroud number two overall ticket yeah. or got in late when it reached plus 900 or yep. whatever. So great job. Imagine holding that Will Anderson ticket, like Will Anderson to go second to the Texans, and then you lose that bet, but then they take him third overall. This is my question. I had Will what? Anderson under three and a half, just throwing that up. Well, good job. Why, why not draft Will Anderson second and C.J. Stroud third? That's a good question. Because you could have saved $1.2 million in salary. That's the difference between second overall and third overall. Here's the only reason I can think. There could if ego if, there could be if you if you take Will Anderson second, who are teams more if there if there are other teams who like CJ Stroud, who are teams more likely to trade up to try and get a quarterback so, okay, or a defensive so end? So we're saying that they I mean it seemed like it seemed like the deal came down so fast that they had it in place when they selected CJ Stroud. I don't it, it didn't feel like they took the 10 minutes that the Cardinals were on the clock and then made the trade then. No, it was pretty quick. It felt like they had the deal in place, but you know what? Maybe it was the the Cardinals who were waiting until they selected CJ Stroud to say, "Okay, we'll make the pick. We'll make the trade." Cuz maybe they were also getting phone calls from other teams. That's what I'm and saying. And then if the yeah. Texans take That's Will right. Anderson, then they say, "Hold on, hold on. Actually, um I'm going to call you back. They got, we'll they got a new I offer. Got, yes. I got somebody else on the line. I got line. somebody else. I got on the, the line. Colts online too. Yes, yes. So I, I and that's maybe the, the Texans were like, "Hey, we want we want your third pick," and then they were like, mm, "Okay, it sounds good. Uh, give us a second. And then they announced, "We take CJ. We take CJ Stroud at two. And then the the then the the Cardinals were like, "Okay, yeah, you can have three. And the idea that you know they they, they taking two out of the top three picks has never happened. In the NFL draft's history, like that's the first time it's ever happened, uh, and I, I feel like this is they pulled a draft day, a Kevin Costner draft day move. This is why I don't hate it for the Texans. The Texans set themselves up for this by trading Deshaun Watson. Mm-hmm. Like they gave themselves a bunch of draft capital. You got to use it on something, and if if what they decided to use it on was moving up to get Will Anderson. I don't have a problem with it. They so they used basically they used two draft picks from the 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 Deshaun Watson deal to get Will Anderson. Mm-hmm. I I don't see that as a negative. Uh, if Will Anderson is what I think he is, and in the conversation for best defensive player in the draft, and if you take off field issues out of the mix, I think he's a slam dunk for best defensive player in this draft. You you still got your your presumed franchise quarterback. Yeah, I think it's easy. It's easy to say right now the Texans won the draft. I think so, and but well, they won the first round. But yes. there's Texans fans who are upset that they gave up next year's draft pick, no. or they didn't give up the Browns. Like, and here's the thing: if you're picking in the top three or four again next year, it means you probably missed on CJ Strackley. Yeah. So you've got bigger issues than what where you're picking next mm-hmm. year mm-hmm. because you're not going to draft a quarterback next year anyway. So, like that should the big concern should be what's wrong with CJ Stroud? The, the hope is is that they finish better than the Browns this right. year, and then the Browns pick is lower in the first round than their pick would have been. Which, by the way, isn't unreasonable no, to think. Who knows what the Browns are? The gonna Ravens be. are going to be better. Lamar Jackson is signed, and he's got some weapons. And and, and the the Steelers they had a, 
never had a losing season. Which is funny. Only the on Bengals NFL, are great. Only on NFL draft day do we not lead with Lamar Jackson right? just, signing with the Ravens. Lamar like, well, well, Jackson got signed. Someone just said that. It's a, you know, it's like uh, it's it's it is what it is. Lamar, you know, overshadowed the the early talk of the draft. But yeah, like, and we'll get to Lamar. But it just seems like the Browns are the fourth team in that division. Right, at least competing with the Steelers for the third team in that division, to be the I third agree. team in that division. So it's not crazy to think that the Texans could maybe finish third in their own division, and why not have a better record than the Browns? Sure. Well, I, I agree with you. The Texans win the draft. Uh, beyond that, Anthony Richardson to the Colts. What do you think about that trade? It kind of feels that everybody on the broadcasts were talking about how. This is clearly going to be molding the offense after Jalen Hurts and the Eagles. Listen, the the Colts uh, have a history of getting things right when they draft a quarterback. That said, this is a big risk. And I saw so many Anthony Richardson equals Josh Allen 2.0 tweets. The idea that Anthony Richardson could have even, like, a half of the success that Josh Allen had is a long shot. These quarterbacks who don't have a ton of starting experience, who are like have all the quote unquote tools, mm-hmm. it's it's I feel like it's more often than not they don't work. It, there's a lot more. Well, isn't that true for every quarterback that you draft? Yes, but more often than more often than that guy. It, it feel but the guy like so Josh Allen was a guy who didn't really have college success. He he didn't really have like. Great numbers. He just was – the measurables were there. Like, yeah. the 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 upside, as people would say, was there. there the ro- That road is much more littered with bodies of Mitch Trubisky's and Trey Lance's than it is with guys who come out from that fire like Josh Allen and who figure things out. Like, Josh Allen's first two years, it looked like maybe he was going to be no good. Like, it, it, there's, it's just a rare exception of a guy who's like – yeah, he's okay, but the the upside of him is so great. It just doesn't feel like those guys normally work out. And Anthony Richardson, the truth is, Anthony Richardson was not a good college football player. So what was Florida this year? Were they like six six? Yeah. yeah. So the idea that that's a top five pick, a guy who all you can if you want to search Anthony Richardson lowlights, like you can be amused for some time, and you'll go. That guy mm-hmm. is a top five NFL draft pick. That like guy, sixty yards versus Kentucky or something yeah, like that. Yeah, I mean, three hundred. There's uh, like somebody was like a uh, Patrick Mahomes didn't win a lot in college either. Well, Patrick Mahomes wasn't overthrowing wide open guys by twenty yards in college either. Like, there's a big difference, like between a guy who plays on a team that doesn't win a lot of games and plays on a team that doesn't win a lot of games because of him. Right. And Anthony Richardson did some great thing. The Utah game's a great example. Uh, guy was a freak. He was going to win the Heisman Trophy if the season ended after one after game. one game. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but then the rest of the season played out, and it's like, oh boy, maybe not. So it's a it's a big balls play by the Colts. Um, I, it's funny that all the money seemed to come in against Anthony Richardson late. Everybody seemed to think Will Levis was the guy there at four for the Colts. Mm-hmm. I was watching this right before they took it off the screen last night. Minus five fifty, Will Levis was to go number four. Man, all that money to come in to go number one, all that money to come in to go number two, 
A lot of money came in on Will Levis and all kinds of bets they all lost. Well, uh, listen, I had a uh, bet I gave out yesterday morning on this show about Jalen Carter going uh, in the top six. And I had heard that there were two teams that did not have bad marks against him for character. And the thought was, in my mind, well, if if you take out the character issues for Jalen Carter, you take mm-hmm. out that, like, you might have killed someone. Uh, by accident. By, by accident, but might have killed someone. Yeah, you know, not, not, not the best. If you take that off of the, like, the whole profile of Jalen Carter, he, he's like a top three pick. There's mm-hmm. just no question. Right. I heard two teams in the top six said, no problems with personality. Like, no problems with character. Those two teams... Seahawks and Lions. Well, Seahawks go cornerback at number five. I'm like, well, that's all good. Lions are taking him. Lions trade out mm. of the pick to the Cardinals who take Paris Johnson, uh, the tackle. So that was a loser for me. Uh, then I mentioned Tyree Wilson going seventh to the Raiders. Bijan Robinson, your guy, my guy, number eight to the Atlanta Falcons. I don't know what the Falcons are going to be next year. I do know this: they are going to be better now with Bijan Robinson than they would have been without him. I like. I I think Desmond Ritter kind of sucks. Mm-hmm. I, I don't think they've got a good situation at quarterback there. I, I don't really care. I I think that Bijan Robinson's still the right pick for that team because. You can find a quarterback next year, and you're going to have this guy who I think is a game-changing player for them. And then rounding out the top ten, Jalen Carter at nine, who the Eagles decided we're going to trade up and get this guy. The Eagles, by the way. Georgia North. They're they're building, or they have rebuilt, the Georgia National Championship defense from from last year, not two years ago. Yeah. Because they got uh, N'Kobe Dean and um, Jordan Davis. Jordan Davis from last year and now they got the two players this year in Jalen Carter and at the end of the first round Smith. picking up Nolan Smith. So yeah. they are just the Philadelphia Bulldogs now. Hey, good for them. Uh I don't hate it. Jalen like I said yesterday, five Georgia Bulldog defensive players got drafted in the first round last year. Mm-hmm. And to a man, they all said Jalen Carter was the best one on our team. Like Jalen Carter's better than all of us. The number one pick in the draft last year said, Jalen Carter is a better player than me. Like, that guy went number nine. Mm-hmm. The Eagles, you talk about the rich getting richer. Yep. That is, uh, if I'm in, if I'm in the NFC, I'm looking at this going, what the hell? Yeah. You guys let them get this guy? Are you out of your freaking mind? Raiders, you couldn't have, like, what were you thinking? So, uh, the, the Eagles just continue to build on what's I mean what was already nearly a Super Bowl winning roster. Uh other notable picks. Jameer Gibbs 12th to the Lions. That one took me by surprise. Here's what I'll say about the Lions. I saw a couple people on twitter.com Lions fans who were ready to throw themselves off a building. Uh <laughs> What happened to the Lions? They picked a running back and a linebacker. I they, thought they were good. They picked a running back. They were smart. 12. Who like did you think of the Lions as a team last year who was like desperately in need of a running back? No, no that DeAndre, was the strongest position. DeAndre Swift is very good. Like they were like pretty solid. Yeah, the other guy like, had like 17 touchdowns. Here's what we're going to do. We're going to take a guy at 12 who some people thought might sneak into the first round. Yeah, 28th, like, 29th. And by the way, that seems only come in the last two or three days. Mm-hmm. So we're going to take him there. 
We're gonna actually gonna trade and get him. We're gonna trade down, get, take that guy instead of taking like you know, freaking Jalen Carter. And then we're gonna take a linebacker from Iowa, an inside, not a pass rush linebacker, an inside linebacker, like the least sexy thing you could possibly mm-hmm. do. And it's such a Dan Campbell pick. <laughs> uh, like, taking Jack Campbell is such a Dan Campbell move that I shouldn't be surprised, but. I don't know. I don't know if I saw one single mock draft that had Jack Campbell in round one, and he goes 18th overall. Lions fans were distraught last night, and maybe rightfully so. What did you make of the Packers taking Lucas Van Ness, the defensive end, at 13? I think there's good value in Van Ness at 13. The thought was <laughs> the Packer. I thought the Packers, and this has maybe been Aaron Rodgers' biggest complaint the last several years. It's like. When are you guys going to, like, put some help around me? <laughs> and now it's Jordan Loves' team, and not, if you're not really— Not a lot of uh, skill positions If there. you're really going to see what Jordan Loves made of, you know what you do? You give him a pass rusher. Mm-hmm. Because that'll really help solidify if Jordan Love can play in the league or not. Not that you've got to make a decision almost immediately on him. Oh, yeah, you do. I thought for sure this was going to be Dalton Kincaid, the tight end, and if not— with Jackson Smith and Jigwa still on the board, I thought he was going to go there. First wide receiver off the board. Yeah. Why not? There were options. and uh, You were correct that he was the first tight end, though, Kincaid. Yes, yes. but And no wide receiver until pick 20. Yeah, that one that one was surprising. Jack, Jackson Smith and Jigwa goes to the uh, Eagle. I mean, not the Eagles, the Seahawks. And, um, you know, pretty good receiving core there now. Oh, uh, yeah. You think? <laughs> um, also, the Jets taking Will McDonald. The off- the outside linebacker had a farm at fifteen. E I E I O. I think they made this pick scrambling. You think they were like, oh shit? Because all our guys are gone. Yes, because they literally there was no offensive lineman left. All, when the Steelers traded up to take Broderick Jones, the Jets were left with let's just take the guy that we have as the best available player on the board, not position of need. And so they took the best available pass rusher, which is Will McDonald, and they said, hey, Robert Sala, we're giving you another toy. Have some fun. Was he the best available? I don't know. As far Uh, as the pass rusher? There's no other pass rusher that was available. Miles Murphy from Clemson? Brian Breesey? No. I don't know that Miles Murphy's, like, way off of of Will McDonald, to be honest. And, like— if you look at, at a lot of mocks, I mean, their their, their average was probably similar. Mm-hmm. Uh, but apparently, they really love the guy, and and if if he's right, you know, if they're right, then you know, good call. Like I said, I was in Houston when when the Texans took JJ Watt, and people booed him and called him the Pizza Boy. Uh, he turned out to be pretty good. Yeah. So I I don't know. Maybe Will McDonald's better than I think he is. I when I heard Will McDonald's name get called at fifteen, I was shocked. Mm-hmm. So was uh, I. so it was, and maybe it's because. Of of the position, I just didn't. I couldn't picture a world where the Jets took a, a pass rusher, but I think more so because your fan base is all frenzied with Rodgers, yep. and it's like it almost feels like you had to do something to say, you know what, we're we're going to make this Aaron Rodgers thing work. Mm-hmm. So even though they, I mean, they drafted a, a good wide receiver a year ago. If they drafted another wide receiver, I wouldn't have been shocked by that. But they already signed. Alan Lazard, so they signed the wide receiver this offseason. Alan Lazard is like a wide receiver four. Yeah. Like, he's Aaron, Aaron Rodgers' hey, friend. Aaron Rodgers' boy. <laughs> like, 
You know, would Aaron Rodgers want another rookie wide a rookie wide receiver? He had complaints last year over the rookies on his teams. You know, it was like, man, this Romeo Dobbs can't even run a route. And Romeo you know? Dobbs is better than Alan Lazard. Yeah, <laughs> so well, Lazard has the hand signals down to a pack. Yeah, that's and that's really what matters. Number thirty-seven. Yeah. Thumbs up. Um. Other notable picks. I think we got to talk about what the Ravens did. Um, they the, signed Lamar Jackson. You hear about that? So not they signed Lamar Jackson. Yes, that's the big story of the day for the Ravens. But drafting Zay Flowers out of Boston College at 23, who is a very speedy possession-wide receiver. Um, I, I love this kid in college. He was the number one weapon. Are you saying the Ravens got an A-plus on the draft because RJ's going <laughs> to hate this? They're just so good at it. I'm saying <laughs> that the Ravens now have a receiving core that features Odell Beckham Jr., Zay Flowers, and Rashad Bateman. They went from having no playmakers on that offense to now having arguably a top 10 wide receiving group in here's the NFL? The, here's the thing. Are you certain that any of those three guys is going to be a top 20 wide receiver next year? If Odell Beckham now, don't stays say healthy. If. I'm saying, like, do you believe Odell Beckham will be a top 20 wide receiver next year? I do. I have my doubts. He's that like, talented. It's just it's health wise, Odell. It's not but it's, a, it's, but it's always health wise. Sure. So it's like someone who's hurt. Every, I mean, this is Saquon Barkley argument, which you're mm-hmm. very familiar with. Mm-hmm. Like if if he's not on the field, it doesn't matter how good he yeah. could be. Yeah. He's no good. So I, I don't know. I don't know what to. I mean, I I like the draft pick because it's insurance that if one of these guys is hurt, cool, we've got another guy. Uh, the the Ravens. Have never ever in the history of their in the history of their team hit on a wide receiver pick. It's like they're cursed. It's a little too early on Bateman, I think, to to call it a bust. I'm not calling it a bust. Yeah, but it, it's 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 not too early to say it's not a hit. Yeah, like I, I don't know if Rashad Bateman's any good. I don't know if he's worth a first round pick at this point. And he's the 27th pick. I mean, yeah. Okay, but is he good? I don't know. Like, there's potential. Yeah. Sure. Is a Flowers good? I don't know. Like I get why the Ravens did it, and obviously, and that's it's kind of the same reason I thought the Jets might do it on a day where the Ravens fan base is fired up because Lamar Jackson's coming back. They're mm-hmm. like, you know what? Let's throw some fuel on the fire. Let's get people hyped. And now everyone's having the conversation that I'm having. You got old Dell Beckham Jr. Yes. and Zay Flowers and Bateman's now your three, and all of a sudden Lamar's got weapons. And by the way, Mark Andrews is the best receiver on that team. Yes, <laughs> that, that we can agree with, Mark Andrews. So, yeah, like literally the Ravens' offense got better. But the great thing for the Ravens is, as RJ would tell you, no matter who they took, people are going to go, what an awesome draft pick by the Ravens. They do things right. <laughs> I didn't realize Dave Flowers was underrated, but I can guess I know he now. He is now. Now, yeah. if you don't know, <laughs> now you know. So, let, can we talk about the Lamar signing? Yeah. He is now, he, he got paid. I think he's happy that he got paid. Was there ever, like, a, a, um, a concern, I guess, that he wouldn't get paid? Yes. Like, are you asking that, like, legitimately? Yeah, I, like... Well, I'm not saying by whether it was the Ravens or another team. We talked about this a couple weeks ago. I thought he wouldn't be on the Ravens. We, but we talked about this a couple weeks ago. The idea that if someone was willing to pay Lamar Jackson what he thought he was going to get. And he would have already It would have already happened. That's true. That's true. But here's the deal. The Ravens. Wait, what, what do you mean? I don't understand that at all. He just got paid what he thought he was going to get. Right. But 
If there was, if he not, was, gonna, if there was another team willing to pay him that. And sacrifice two draft picks and have the whole world know that you want this guy and then not get him. The, the system's set up so no one would ever offer a compensatory uh, offer sheet. Because you set up, you put your face out there, I want Lamar Jackson for $50 million, and I'm going to get two drinks, and then you don't get it. And then there's zero chance you get it. Here's the other side of that coin. You're the Ravens. You've been unwilling to give this guy money for mm-hmm. how long? Mm-hmm. Like, you, you basically yeah. told the world, we're not going to pay him this. Is there any possibility that five years, $260 million wouldn't have gotten it done from the beginning? Yeah, it seems like they. I don't know what what prompted them to give him this bump. What what? Why now? Why two hundred sixty? When it's the guaranteed money. It's the one. Yeah, the no, guaranteed money was from, no, from one thirty no, to no. one ninety. Like the thought was that it, like he was getting offered the second most guaranteed money in the history of the right, NFL, right, and right, he right. said, "No, that's not enough. I want the Deshaun Watson deal." To me, Lamar compromised, which I'm not saying is wrong, because I think Lamar looked at. The idea that no one was willing to give up two draft picks and pay him what he wanted. So now it was like, well, I could sit out a year, which how well that work out for Deshaun Watson? Mm. It didn't. What do you guys think about the argument that guaranteed money was obviously a huge factor? He also wanted Beckham and another receiver like Zay Flowers maybe. He also wanted a more passing-oriented offense. They got a new coordinator this year. Maybe, man, maybe he got everything he wanted. Maybe so. And good for him. Listen, both these things can be true. And this is going to make me sound like a hypocrite, and I don't care about it. Like, Lamar Jackson deserves what he's getting here because he's so valuable to the Ravens. You can look at the splits when he's on the field versus when he's off the field. When he's on the field, they're a, 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 one of the better teams in the AFC. When he's off the field, they're not a playoff team. That, to me, signifies how important yeah. he is. 28 points per game or 18 points per game. That's the difference. At the same time, the Ravens just gave this guy money like they've given no one else money in the in the history of the NFL and he can't seem to stay on the field. So I get why there was this push pull uh, and I see the the argument from both sides. I, to me all it did though was by doing this now instead of 3 months ago all it did was put strain on the relationship that now is forced into yeah. existence for the next 5 years. Flocka flocka baby. Like like uh it's almost like the girl who is like if you don't marry me, if you don't know, put a right? ring on it, Tense. I'm like it's over. We're not a thing if we don't get married. Yeah. Ah, the, and the guy's the like, ultimatum. I'm not ready. I'm I not. Guess I'll go to Costco and get a thousand dollar ring. He's like, I'm not Come ready on. to marry you. And then there's like this awkward there's a, a break. Like they're taking a break. They're not broken up, but they're taking a break. They're maybe seeing other people. And then finally, the guy's like, you know what? I, I, I'm not going to get any better. I guess let's get married. <laughs> Does that marriage work out typically? Seems like, does the, does the girl feel like she was wanted all yeah. along? Like, does the guy feel like he's really bought into it? Like, it feels like it's a, a lose lose for everybody. But at the same time, I see it as the Ravens needed Lamar Jackson. Do you think? Who do you think caved more or compromised more? I, th- I think Lamar did. You think it was the twenty sixty guarantee? I think Lamar. Wanted? Lamar. I really, and again, I have no evidence of this whatsoever. So this is me, be me being like yeah, hot, nobody does. It's all hot take, take guy. Yeah, we gotta do it. But I imagine that Lamar Jackson sat down and said, "I want two hundred fifty million dollars," and the Ravens are like, "Okay, we're listening." And he's like, "I want all of it guaranteed." And the Ravens were like, "We're not doing that, bro. We're yeah. not doing that." And now with one hundred eighty-five guaranteed, he's still the highest-paid player in the NFL, fifty-two million a year. 
it feels like it's good for everybody involved. Like the Ravens don't have to guarantee all $260 million to a guy who would any of us be shocked if he wasn't playing football in four years? Like if he was like a broken hip or Bo Jackson out of the league or something, no, no one will be shocked. Yeah, not shocked. No. So the idea that they don't have to guarantee all 260 million is a win for the Ravens. The fact that Lamar Jackson is the highest paid player in the NFL is undeniably a win for Lamar Jackson. Everybody should be happy here, right? I think so. I think so. But it does. It it still feels like had they just agreed to this three months ago, yeah, it'd that's be another a lot question. less awkward. Do you think the Ravens should have done anything different or could have done anything different? No, I, that's why I think Lamar softened. I, I think the Ravens would have signed this deal yeah. last season, and Lamar was not interested in this kind of a deal. But I think Lamar seeing when the Ravens said, you know what? Go out and see the world, honey. <laughs> Go out and t- dip your finger in the other waters and see what what feels warm. And Lamar did, and there was a lot of crickets. Like, did we hear anybody say, this team is kicking the tires on Lamar Jackson? I didn't hear it once. I think I heard the Colts one time, and then it was quickly dismissed. I, I think I heard Atlanta. But yeah, may, right, it might right. have just been like people saying, Lamar would be a great fit in yeah, Atlanta. Yeah. I don't know that Atlanta was like, yeah, we might pay this guy $250 million and give up two draft picks. No, they said they weren't interested the day it yeah. was announced. Do you that think offered, that the Ravens waited until yesterday because they were trying to see if somebody would trade a draft pick? I think the Ravens were probably keeping their options open. But if your narrative is correct, then they weren't waiting for today. They're waiting for Lamar Jackson to say yes. Yeah, that's probably true. Here's the deal. Lamar couldn't have gotten this deal from any other team. And the Ravens are better with Lamar than they are with any other quarterback. So this is like, it's almost like an arranged marriage. It's like it's convenient, and both parties seem committed to making it work. It doesn't seem like it's a marriage built on love. It feels like there's some awkwardness, and like the first time they get naked together is going to be weird. Mm. But they're committed to trying to to make the most of it. So it's down now. Their win total, we were talking about this, was between eight and a half and nine. What do you think it reposts at? Their division odds, just to give you an example, went from plus 310 to plus 275. So, you know, a slight bump, but they're still second. Favorite. I think they'll just be over nine and a half. Yeah, nine and a half seems fair. Because I still they were, think— They were 10 Bang. last year. They weren't I, that good, yeah. But I still think you have to take into account the idea that Lamar might not play 17 games. Yeah, yeah. more and more evidence suggests it's possible. If I told you Lamar Jackson was going to play 17 games, like, is over nine and a half even a question? Right, right. It's obvious. Yeah, you play over nine and a half. Yeah. yeah. But there's a, there's a real doubt. So, I—, I I don't know. I, I again. I I feel weird playing both sides of this, but I see the angle on both sides that this is a a really player friendly deal, and this is also the team protecting itself, and it's probably the best thing for both both parties. Let's talk about what bets we would make uh, right now, and after the draft or after the first round of the draft, the odds for offensive rookie of the year slightly changed. Bijan Robinson four to one, Bryce Young plus four seventy five, Jackson Smith and Jigba plus six fifty. C.J. Stroud seven to one, Jameer Gibbs plus eight fifty, and Anthony Richardson twelve to one. C.J. Stroud is interesting to me because there's not going to be a quarterback controversy there. Like there, he's he's the guy. Mm-hmm. Davis Mills uh, still going to be on the team? He, he'll still be on the team, but I don't. I I mean, imagine how the fan base would feel if Week One with a new coach, a new yeah. regime. They trot out Davis Mills with that long ass neck <laughs> and like CJ Stroud <laughs> sitting on the sideline holding a clipboard. Like Davis Mills, honestly, 
was built to hold a clipboard. <laughs> that dude with that neck, you can like, look at it from angle. like he's holding on to the the Microsoft Surface, and like I can just picture C.J. Stroud coming over and Davis pointing at some stuff on the on the surface to him. That makes sense. Vice versa. Not really. like, And we know what the S2 score was. Davis Mills is going to come over. Davis Mills, the Stanford guy, right. going to come over and say, CJ, what would you see? And he was like, uh, I, I was playing Candy Crush, bro. <laughs> I, my, my bad. I was, I was playing Candy Crush. But, no, CJ Stroud's interesting because I, I do think the Texans are, are going to tick up. They couldn't have gotten much worse quarterback play last year. I think this award – if a quarterback is serviceable, they can win the award. Last year, there wasn't a serviceable quarterback, so they couldn't win the award. But this year, I, I think all you got to do is be serviceable. I, I think that's not a bad number, at least on on Stroud. Well, let's take a look at the second round now. Um, Will Levis, obviously the biggest name still left on the board. Think about it. There were people who were convinced that Will Levis was going to be able to trick teams into thinking he was a top five player in this draft. And... Here's you know my the thing I respect most about Will Levis. What's that? Will Levis refused to be Jimmy Clausen or any of these quarterbacks who have historically been like waiting in the green room and like rubbing their temples with their hands, like, how have I not been taken yet? He like he had his arm around his girl and his mom the whole time, smiling and laughing and joking. He was not gonna let anyone take a picture of him looking distraught <laughs> that he was not taken in the first round. He he refused to do it. So God bless him. But I, I where does Will Levis end up is a fascinating question. I, I don't I mean it, it feels like he's got to go pretty quick. But the the idea that there were people, like I said people thought he could be I mean the Batman Reddit guy thought he could be number 1 overall uh 48 hours ago. Like, how, what's the furthest he could possibly fall? The Rams are the favorite, plus 300. They'd pick 36th. Next up, Titans at 41. They're also 3-1. to one. They pick 41st. Other favorites are the Raiders. They're uh, plus 550, and they pick 38. So probably the next 10 picks, he'll hear his name called. The Rams are so interesting. Right? It makes a lot of sense. But uh, it, it does. Somebody for the future. But if you do that, you're basically saying, this is another year where we can't possibly compete. Well, no, Stafford would start if they drafted Will Levis, don't you think? Right. But so think about this. Two years ago, they won the Super Bowl. Last year, Stafford was hurt, and they absolutely stunk. Yeah. The thought would be if if Matt Stafford is healthy and can play, they should be able to compete. So you would want to put things around Matt Stafford that would help them compete. This is basically saying opportunity cost. This is basically saying we're still working on a rebuild. Yeah, it's a long term like, thing. That makes a lot of sense, actually. So we could have got a receiver, somebody that played now, yeah. And if I'm they've done a lot of things this offseason to make me think they're rebuilding, that would be a cherry on top. Yeah. And if I'm Aaron Donald, I'm sitting in the room looking at these guys. I'm looking at Sean McVay. I'm looking I'm going, What what are we doing? Mm. Like can you can you guys trade me somewhere? Like, can I go anywhere? So it's a it, the Rams are in a really weird spot in my opinion because they no one would blame the Rams for drafting guys who could help them win right now because if Matt Stafford does stay healthy maybe they are good like it's not un, it's not unfathomable that the Rams could compete again if Matt Stafford has a healthy season but if they draft Will Levis it almost feels like they're saying yeah we had our Super Bowl 
we're we're looking to uh, we're planning for the future. And the Vegas market reflects this pessimism that you're picking up on. Win total opened up near eight. It's now closer to seven. Oof. Oof. Is there uh, do we have odds on the first pick of the second round? Because the Steelers are on the clock with the first pick of the second round. And I have a feeling I know who they're going to take. Who do you feel they're going to take? A legacy pick. Joey Porter? They're keeping it in the fam. They're going to take Joey Porter Jr. Maybe so. Um, It's a good fit. I mean, he's an assistant coach. But there's a lot of people who have not said good things about Joey Porter Jr. in this draft process. And I was a believer in him coming out of college. I thought he was good. If there's any team that's going to take a chance on the kid, it's going to be the team that his dad played and coached for? If there's one thing I believe about the Steelers is they have a code that they live by. And if they really don't believe that he is what his dad was, mm-hmm. I could see them easily passing. All right, like best, I, I think they're going to they're going to stick with what they believe. Best available players right now. Obviously Will Levis, but that's a position of need for teams, right? Michael Brian Branch. I was going to say Michael Mayer, the tight end from Notre Dame, or Brian Branch, the safety from Alabama. Yeah, Brian Branch was a guy. He was the only safety, and the the pick I gave out on the pod. I, I mentioned the the loser I had here yesterday. The pick I gave out on the pod with RJ was under five and a half defensive backs. That cleared easily mm-hmm. because the only safety I could have seen going, and I expected to go in the first round, didn't go in the first round. So I thought there was three corners, one safety, maybe a fourth corner. So that mm-hmm. would have been five. I had under five and a half. The fact that only three corners go, no safety, no fourth corner, it was an easy, easy winner. I don't. But Brian think, Branch is good enough to be a first round guy. But with Minka Fitzpatrick, they're not going to take the safety. I don't think so. So either. to me, it's either Joey Porter Jr. or they take a chance on a tight end. I don't know how much this could it be Steelers, a wide receiver. Could be Josh Downs. That's a pretty big reach. Okay. Wouldn't you think? Yeah, it's a, that's a pretty big reach. It's it's got to be Joey Porter Jr. That's the bet right now, Joey okay. Porter Jr. Because first pick in the second like round. you could say it's a reach, and and I don't totally disagree, but any tight end, like when you get to when you consider positional value, mm-hmm. like a, a, a B level wide receiver is worth more than an A level tight end. Yeah, but they, they they got the wide receiver last year in George Pickens. They're not gonna, and didn't they just get Allen Robinson? Yeah. So I think the wide receiver's core, uh, the wide receiver core is fine. Um, and their tight end is Pat Fryer Firemouth. Firemouth. So it's going to be Joey Porter Jr. That's who they're taking. Um, Two guys that are still on the board that I believe in uh, Keon White, the, the Russian from Georgia Tech, is a, it, like when you talk about the athletic freak show guys, the and he's a former tight end. He's like, 65 290 and runs fat that kind of guy he's still available i think he could and i'm not saying for the steelers i'm saying top of the second round he's a guy that i would certainly look at uh the other guy is keely ringo and who i i didn't expect for whatever reason to go in the round in round one there was a lot of people who were saying he wasn't a round one guy but this is a like 62 210 corner who runs a 436 mm-hmm. and played for the georgia bulldogs I don't know what's not to like about him. So that's a guy that I'd also consider uh, high in that round. And I, Michael Mayer seems good, but it feels like 
there's people making arguments for like 10 different tight ends. So if there's arguments for 10 different tight ends and against the other nine, I, I don't know who's good and who's not. They, you might as well throw them all in a bag. And that includes the Buffalo Bills who traded up ahead of the Cowboys to get Dalton Kincaid. I don't know that Dalton Kincaid's any better than Michael Mayer or Darnell Washington or Luke Musgrave or every other tight end you can throw into a bag and draw one out of. Hypothetical situation here. Hendon Hooker goes before Will Levis. It's it's entirely possible. What's the reaction? My reaction is shocked, and it's only because, like I said, if you if all things were equal, I prefer Hendon Hooker to Will Levis. Mm. But Hendon Hooker is 25 years old. He's 25 years old, and he's coming off a major knee injury. Yeah. That means you're drafting a 26-year-old rookie, mm-hmm. which doesn't really happen. So... <sighs> The 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 long term potential of Levis seems higher, though I prefer Hendon Hooker to Will Levis. I'm not gonna lie. Like Will if Will Levis went in round four, I'd be like, eh, okay. <laughs> and mind you, I Boy, was imagine the kid goes to the first round, he sits and waits in the green room, and he doesn't even imagine if he doesn't even go in the second round. I said this, and I was, I stand by this, and this will be on the uh, the bad takes exposed or cold t- whatever yeah. it is in in years. I would rather have Stetson Bennett in round seven than Will Levis in round one. And now that he's out of round one, it doesn't feel like as much of a – it's not as onerous to take a risk on Will Levis. But I'm still not, like, running up there like, saying, I got Levis, I got Le-. – I don't feel that about the guy. And, you're like, when he does go off, whether it's second round, third round, whenever, I'm going to go like, okay, well, we'll see. I, I, I'm not going to be like – Oh my God, what value they got by taking this guy who was projected top five in in round three. Because I think he was a round three talent to begin with. So what would be, would this be the worst, if he doesn't go in the second round, would it be the worst green room slide yes. yeah, ever? Yeah, yeah. Worse than Geno Smith? Yeah. Because Gino got drafted in the second round. Yeah. But he waited and waited first round. No one took him. They kept you, showing him in the, the green room. The difference was no one ever breathed a word about Geno Smith being like a top three pick. No, but they said that he was going to be a first rounder. Yeah. But it's it's way worse when you think you might be one of the first guys to go and no one takes you. Mm-hmm. In that draft, it was uh, the first quarterback off the board was E.J. Manuel. 16th to the Buffalo Bills. Uh, E.J. Manuel, not good at professional football. And then 39th overall pick in the second round, the Jets took Geno Smith. I will say this. There was one guy who, in, I may be wrong about this. I'm pretty sure I'm not, though. I think Lael Collins was in the green room. And Are you thinking of Laramie Tunsil, not Lael Collins? No. Or I, Randy Gregory? No, I think it was Lael Collins, who, if you remember, he was he got named in like a murder investigation a couple days before the draft, and he was never a suspect. He didn't get drafted, yeah. But he he didn't get drafted, and he was like looked at as a top ten guy, and he was in the green room, and never got picked. Hmm. So maybe that that might be the cruelest, but I. I don't know that Will A.L. Collins showed up in the green room on day two. Will Levis will be there on day two. Yeah. 
Well, we'll see what happens. The NFL draft, uh, first round in the books, second round action tonight from Kansas City. I got a best bet on the draft. What? Let's and, go, baby. And I think your analysis got me there. Indianapolis Colts under six and a half plus 115. It's unchanged from last week. Now I know who's going to be their starter week one. It's a guy that probably shouldn't be a starter week one. They've had a different starter. That's Anthony Richardson. They've had a different starter for the eighth year now going, and they have a new head coach. I think the mantra is take the growing pains. He's going to be our starter next year. We're going to build him up. Even if he's bad, we'll just keep going through it. Under six and a half, I like it. That's a really good bet. And I'm not sure, like, mind you, they've got Gardner Minshew and Nick Foles, guys that they could roll out there week one. But if you told me, a Nick Foles-led team or a Gardner-Minshew-led team? It wouldn't be Foles. It would be Minshew. Okay. It would be Minshew. And because Minshew was I dead. still like under six and yeah, a half. Yeah, I wouldn't love it, but I would still be all right with it. I, yeah. I'm with you. It would be Minshew because Minshew was in Philadelphia with Steichen. So that yeah. would be it, it would be Minshew. The only scary thing is that that division is just so weak. Yeah, it does work. Like, me. you get to play the Titans twice. You get to play the Texans twice. I don't even know if the Jags are good. I need the Texans to be not the 32nd best team. Yeah. You know. I, I, I like the pick, though. I, I like that uh, I, I like that bet. So, I, you know what? I'll co-sign on it. Let's go. Six and a half. Let's go, boys. Uh, because whoever whoever takes that first snap is not a starting NFL quarterback next year. Yeah, Jimmy and, G's not walking through that door. And I'll be like, Gardner Minshew, no offense, who I think Gardner Minshew is a high-level backup quarterback, is not a starting caliber NFL quarterback. So I, I think you've got a good pick there. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. How's your social battery right now, AJ? I know sometimes I get drained, and it could be easy to ignore your social battery and just spread yourself too thin, you know, especially when it comes to social gatherings and maybe just things you're not in the mood for. Well, do you know the right amount of socializing you need to do to keep yourself balanced? Therapy can give you that self-awareness and you can build basically your routine that reflects what you need personally. Everybody's different in this way. That was a big driver for me when I was in therapy. I got a lot out of it and it's so easy here Give BetterHelp a try if you've said, I don't want to go out of my way to do this. It's all online. It's as convenient as can be, and it's suited to you. It's simple. Just fill out a brief questionnaire, get matched with a licensed therapist, and you can switch at any time for no additional charge. Find your social sweet spot with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com Vegas today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash Vegas. AJ, it's important to me that the supplements that I take every single day are of the highest quality. And that's why ever since they jumped the board as a sponsor with us, I've been drinking AG1. Because for AG1, quality isn't just a buzzword. AG1's ingredients are heavily researched for efficacy and quality. And I love that every scoop has prebiotics, probiotics, digestive enzymes for my gut support, B vitamins for energy. It's got the magnesium and ashwagandha for stress support, also testosterone support, vitamin C and zinc to support my immune system. I don't get sick anymore. Well, you're welcome for introducing you to AG1. Yeah, but uh, I mean, this stuff is incredible. And so many people have asked me, are you just reading commercials? No, man. AG1 is actually legit. And there's a reason why I drink it every single day. It just makes taking care of my health so much easier in general. So if you want to replace your multivitamin and more, start with AG1. Try AG1 and get a free one-year supply of vitamin D3 plus K2 and five free AG1 travel packs with your first subscription at drinkag1.com slash SOV. That's drinkag1.com slash SOV. Check it out. 
There were other sports in the world besides the NFL. What? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Apparently, like they're still the world is still turning. Uh, the Celtics. Wow, the Celtics won their first round series. Who saw that coming a week ago? Uh, the Hawks finally turned into the Hawks. Celtics one twenty eight, Hawks one twenty. Mackenzie Rivers, our NBA expert. What are we looking at for the round two matchup between the Sixers and the Celtics, which I think is like the marquee round yeah. two matchup? Yeah, before the playoffs, people talked about this matchup and anticipating. And even more now with the Bucks out of the right. way, this feels like the matchup. This is the de facto Eastern Conference Championship, and I'm surprised by this line. I have these teams a lot closer than the market, I guess. Boston Celtics are minus 290 to advance. Take back on the Sixers is plus 240. Really? I'm betting the Sixers. I, I, I'm doing it. It's plus 240? Here's the... Give it to me. All right. <laughs> You're green betting the universe, but I get you. Yeah, I'm leaning that way, plus 240. Here's the way I might attack it instead. You can get Sixers plus two and a half games, minus 210. So they would have to lose in five for me to lose. I don't see that happening. I think this is a long series. No way. I, I don't see it happening. So I'm laying two... I'm laying... They couldn't beat the Hawks in five. <laughs> yeah, the, the Celtics and Sixers are very close teams. Maybe the Celtics are better. They have a little bit better of a track record. Maybe not more experience, though. I like the Sixers here. I think that they have the value. And I agree, and and this is why I I feel like the to win the series is maybe safer than a minus anything with a minus two ten. If Joel Embiid comes out game yeah. one and he's clearly like damaged and That's is like point. I'm not playing. Now you've laid two ten. At least with the plus two forty, like it, there's, well, it was a long shot. Yeah. Like uh, because if Joel Embiid, if his knee is trash, I could see them losing in five. But if Joel Embiid's really had this the last week to get healthy, plus two forty is really like insulting. Yeah. With high variance, the plus two forty does subtract me from that perspective. I, I don't get it. And what have we seen anything from the Celtics in the first round to make you go, man, this is the team. No. In the Eastern, and I, I get it's more than it's more than the, a, a six-game sample size that we're taking into account here. Yeah, and winning but the Sixers weren't way worse than the Celtics in the regular season, were they? No, very close uh, on the margin. Celtics were two points better, but their records were very close. And I think you look at their actual competitive games; they were very close. So the Sixers swept. Can't do better than that in the first round, especially when your best player gets hurt and the, and your other player doesn't play that well. Do they cover every game too? I think they did. I think they did. Yeah. They had one that pushed. They won that landed five. Okay. You could have got four and a half. Three zero and one ATS. That's pretty solid. The Bucks won twenty percent of their game. That was the other contender. The Celtics <laughs> won two thirds of their game. So maybe the Celtics were disappointing, but a lot less disappointing than's possible. And they scored one hundred twenty one points per game. Like that's very good in a playoff series. Only eight teams in this century have ever uh, given up that much in the first round. And the Hawks were the only team of that group to push it to six. And like going into the the, the playoffs. Was there any indication that the Celtics had like a way tougher matchup in round one than than the Sixers did no. with the Nets? Like it felt they were about even, right? The prices were very similar. They're both minus one thousand, minus nine hundred, right in there. So very similar opponents, and Celtics took them at six. Nets one and four. Sixers one and four. The we talked yesterday morning about me being a little afraid to back the Celtics tonight because it felt like the Celtics were going to get the the Hawks out of here. But I said, man, Trey Young really feels like he's taking a step. You see 30 points for Trey Young, and you go, wow, another good game. Then you see 9 of 28 from the field. And I didn't watch the game, to be totally honest. I'm sure you had eyes on it. Like, was Trey Young uh, a positive or a negative for the Hawks last night? First half positive, 
Second half, he fell apart. He mm. became the Trey Young that we remember from last year. 25 points, 8 of 15 shooting in the first half, 5 points, 1 of 13 shooting oh. in the second half. They were up. The Hawks were up, too, entering the fourth no. quarter. Couldn't do anything about it. 1 of 13? <laughs> That's a real number you just said out loud? Ugh. <laughs> well, that, and that is why I said yesterday Trey Young's one of my three least favorite players in the league. Yeah. I was right all along. That's all, that's what I'm going to leave. Stick to your guns. <laughs> that's what's going to. That's what's gonna, the flavor that's going to be in my mouth for the entire off season is one of thirteen in the second half. I told you so about Trey Young. That's what I always told you. Uh, all right, let's take a look at the games tonight as the NBA insists on playing the playoffs while the NFL draft's going on. It's like they're not learning their lesson. Right, and it's like the Warriors and Lakers are playing? Come on. You think anyone's going to watch that? No, people are seeing. We got draft to watch. Where's Will Levis go? Well, do you think it's a coincidence these two games aren't happening on the first round? Yes. You know? Yeah. Yeah. No, it's not a coincidence. They they did this. You know what they're going to be saying? Instead of watching the Lakers, Kings, or the Warriors, Kings, they're going to say, Where's Will McDonald going? And then somebody, Will McDonald got drafted yesterday. What? I was watching the Hawks. Who the hell drafted Will McDonald? Oh, it was the Jets. Oh, fuck. Jets. Makes sense. Uh, Kings at the Warriors. Golden State minus seven and a half. Mackenzie Rivers. Does the system hold? Do the Warriors get the Kings out of here tonight. I think they cruise here. I don't think it was a coincidence Darren Fox had his one inefficient game, the game after he had a hand injury that had him doubtful. Uh, This is the same line that we saw in games three and four. I think the Warriors have to be upgraded slightly from what we've seen recently. I think the Kings with the injury situation have to be downgraded. I lean Warriors. Yeah, I I think the series is over. The Warriors shown that they uh, have gotten their act together. I think Draymond coming off the bench has been a really good thing for them. And... I think they roll here. I think Sacramento maybe puts up a fight in the first half, but I think the Warriors pull away, and we see something very similar to maybe what we saw last night in that Celtics game where you think it's going to be a close game, and then the Celtics wind up covering. And and maybe this is an eight-point win for the Warriors, and they cover the number. Lakers up 3-2 on the grizzle. Lakers minus 4.5 hosting Memphis. Do the Lakers get the job done in game six. I have a sneaky suspicion this goes seven. Whoa. I'm not sure why, but I think. Hot take guy. Hot take guy. I I disagree. Tell me why. Because of LeBron's effort in game five. I think LeBron took game five off. It can't be worse in game six. Well, I think LeBron took game. I'm not saying he he went into the game saying I'm going to take the game off. But once the game got out of hand early, and yes, I know that they pulled within one in the third quarter, but the game was over at half. The game was done. And LeBron made a conscious decision to take the rest of the night off, knowing, hey, we're up three games to one. We're not going to lose this series. Let me conserve some energy because I'm going to lay it all on the line in game number six. I think we're going to get a monster performance from LeBron James tonight. Wouldn't shock me. We've seen it before. Game six, LeBron. But I don't know. John Morant was like r- much better in game five well, than he was seemed, in game four. The hand seemed a little better. Yeah. And, and it, it was more like he scored like 25 points in the game four, in a, yeah, game four in the fourth quarter. But it was all disconnected from the team. It was all like Allen Iverson, like, all right, now that the game's over, I'm just going to do my thing on every possession. In game five, it seemed cohesive. It seemed like Dylan Brooks, Bain, Morant, they were running offense that made sense in combination. I think that continues. What's LeBron's player prop for this game tonight? Yeah, it's, it's been as I, high as 29 and a half. It's been as low as 26 and a half. If it's, if I hope it's on the low end because the play is going to be to go over. Yeah. I, I think LeBron goes off tonight. 
is on the low end, 26 and a half. I generally lean unders. He's Over. only averaging 22 Over. in this series. Over. Big game tonight. Wouldn't, wouldn't shock me. LeBron over 26 and a half points. Over the weekend, we will have the Western Conference semifinals beginning on Saturday. The Suns and the Nuggets. Denver favored at home, McKenzie. In that situation, well, I guess the question is, are you taking the Suns in every game? I'm taking the Suns in the series. I gave that out to my clients. Yeah. And game one, I'm very interested in the Suns. I thought this would be one or pick them. It's two and a half. Now, we talked about the NBA home court advantage in the playoffs. Maybe it's ballooned where the favorites are bigger favorites than they've ever been before because they keep covering 57% NBA favorites in the playoffs the last five years. A ridiculous stat. But I like the underdog here. I think the Phoenix Suns are you know at least three points better, two and a half points better than the Nuggets. I know home court advantage is huge in Denver, probably the best in the league. I think that's kind of mitigated uh, versus a Suns team that will have some rest with them. Yeah, uh, I, I think... Suns are going to win on the road. They're going to cover at home. I'll go with the Suns in every single game in this that series. Makes it simple. <laughs> oh, well, all right. Huh? Listen, I think, they, I think the Suns win the series. Why even so play it? If I think they win the series, I'm obviously going to bet them in every game because they're going to win four out of seven. So yep. I'm at least going to go four and three. Minus 130 is a good price. I bet that. That's, that's the right way to do this. Uh, and then we have at least we know one series will begin on Sunday in the Eastern Conference. The Heat and the Knicks. With the Knickerbockers, a four-point favorite at home in game one. Surprised by that line, McKenzie, or you think that's right around where it should be? That's right where my numbers make it. It says they're a point better, a point and a half better. Remember, the Heat still had one of the worst offenses of any playoff team, and then they lost their second-best offensive player. Mm -hmm. Jimmy Butler's been out of his mind, 35 points per game uh, against the best defense in the NBA, but... How how much can he can't improve on that and can he sustain it is the question. I lean New York. It's one thing to upset the number one seed because it almost feels like that's your championship. Yeah, this could be the letdown. I think so. For the Miami Heat now, and they're such a good matchup for the Bucks. Yeah. The way they and play defense. You, you you mentioned that with Bam yeah. Adebayo guarding uh, Giannis. Right. I don't think they have the same kind of. Uh, well, I don't think they have a matchup advantage. No, here. because Jalen Brunson's the scorer right. on this team. He's not Giannis. He's a much different scorer than Giannis. Yeah, and he's been as good as anybody in these playoffs. Kyle Lowry, uh, Vincent, they're, they're going to have their work cut out for him guarding him. The price on the Knicks to win the series shot up. So it seemed like. All the money oh, wow. came in yeah. on the Knicks to From win the series. From minus 130 yesterday to minus 160 this morning. Yeah. A lot of people loving the Knicks. Can you believe this? The Knicks are going to the Eastern Conference Finals? I can't believe it. It's disgusting. I, I literally laughed out loud when I saw their championship odds. I'm like, 20 to 1? <laughs> 20 to 1? The New York Knicks? Knicks are going to the Eastern Conference Finals. They got a 5% chance to win it all. Wow. Where are they going to play the Celtics? We'll see. <laughs> yeah. yeah, maybe. Maybe not. We'll Actually, maybe I hope they play the Sixers. Because I know that James Harden and the Sixers aren't going to the NBA Finals. And then you always have the chance Embiid and Harden get hurt. Now you're, <laughs> exactly. now you're That's favorites true. to win these. Harden's just one junk punch away from getting ejected. <laughs> we finally, finally had a team eliminated from the Stanley Cup playoffs. For the first time in, I want to say, four elimination games. We had a team eliminated, the Vegas Golden Knights. Yes. Disposed of the Winnipeg Jets 4-1, winning that series. Four games to one. And this was one of the all-time bad beats from a betting perspective. The total in this game was five and a half. Your boy over here, along with several other red-blooded Americans, 
not Canadians though, had over five and a half goals. Now Vegas is up four nothing going to the third period, and you know, in an elimination game, the net will be empty for an extended period of time. That's the handicap I've been giving out on all of these elimination games. I've been playing the minus a goal and a half on every single elimination game, and it hasn't come through yet <laughs> until Vegas, because I, my handicap has been, hey. The team that's going to win the elimination game is going to get empty net goals. Are teams just missing the empty net? Just whiffing left and right? Well, here's what happened with Vegas and the Winnipeg Jets. The Jets are down 4 nothing, and with eight minutes left, they empty the net. Ideal situation for the over for the one and a half. They score goals now 4-1. to one. Even better, because at 5 nothing, maybe they say the yeah, game's yeah. over, right? But 4-1, to one, even better. The net's still empty. They score again to make it four to two, but wait, wait. Bruce Cassidy, the head coach of the Vegas Golden Knights, says, We want to throw the challenge flag. There's no real challenge flag in hockey. You just tell the ref that, you know, hey, come on. You throw a squid on the ice. <laughs> That's Detroit. There was a hand pass on the faceoff about a minute before the goal was actually scored. But because there was no stoppage, like, you can Ooh, review that, right? It's like reviewing that. offsides. They determined that there was a hand pass, no goal. So then, still 4-1. Was there a change of possession between the hand pass? I'm sure there was in a minute in a hockey game. Because if there was, it, like. It's, it, stayed, it stayed in the offensive zone. All right, so yeah. that's why they disallowed it. I yeah. hate that. They do that in I, soccer, I, like, I two minutes ago, I have to care about. Sure. Exactly. Uh, but here's something that I think the reason why the Knights did not score an empty net goal. The game ends 4-1, to by the way. There were a couple of times where the Knights actually got the puck. And one time, they got it right outside the blue line. And instead of shooting at the empty net, they passed it to Chandler Stevenson, who was sitting on two goals in this game. They oh, wanted man. to get him the hat trick. For the squid. And Stevenson <laughs> never got it. Shot open at the empty net. And then Vegas, the game was over. Vegas knew that they won. Every time that they deflected the puck, they just kind of just dumped it down the ice with, like, trying to avoid an icing, just kind of softly cleared it. And uh, that's just such a bad beat. With eight minutes of an empty net, you would think you would get an empty net goal? Nope. 4-1 final. Uh, speaking of uh, some upsets, how about the Lightning? The heart of a champion, if you will. Dogs in Toronto where the Maple Leafs were looking to advance to the second round for the first time since 2013. Nope, another loss in a potential closeout game. They cannot win a closeout game for their lives. The Lightning win 4-2 to two in Toronto, force a game six back in Tampa. And I got to be honest, I'd start to be real nervous if I'm Toronto. Because now the doubt creeps in. They're losers. Losers find yeah, ways to lose. That's, you know, you're right. And, and this is probably something. You say I'm right now, but when I say it about the Jets next year, you're going to be like, nope, the Jets are different. We're not losers. <laughs> we went to back-to-back -back <laughs> AFC championships games in like 2009, 2010, okay? Listen, the Bills, are, the Bills are losers too. Like, losers <laughs> lose. They find a way. Uh, but this is something that's um, pretty crazy. Andre Vasilevsky is literally the best goaltender in the world in elimination games. 
He has won six of his last seven elimination games. And the dude has a sub two goals against average. He just does not lose elimination games. That's why the, the that's yeah. why that's why the team has won back-to-back Stanley Cups and then last year lost in the Stanley Cup final. That was like the first time he lost in an elimination game in three playoffs. It's, un- it's unbelievable. Awful loss to Tampa Bay Lightning's last three years, 23 and 4. That's in the playoffs. In the playoffs. In the playoffs. Awful awful 23 and 4 plus 20 units in 27 games if you're betting them. It's it's insane. I mean, who would bet against this team? As I tell you, Lightning, look, they're 40 to 1 now to win the title. I look around the room, <laughs> look for a mirror so I can see myself in it. Uh, <laughs> you really bet against them? I, I win the whole thing, I'm telling you. The Toronto win in Tampa to go up three games to one was so darn impressive. They've shown the ability to come from. That's the problem. You see, like, they, they, they've shown the ability to come from behind. They were down 4-1 to one going to the third period and scored three unanswered goals. Weren't even worried. Or four unanswered goals. Like, they, they have just shown how quickly they can score. And the fact that they've scored seven goals, four goals, and five goals in the three wins led me to believe that they would have no problem scoring on Vasilevsky. But, hey, Vasilevsky, in an elimination game, different animal. He just turns it on. Uh, so the Lightning win 4-2, to two, and they force a Game 6 back in Tampa. Also, going to a Game 6, the Devils and the Rangers heading back across the Hudson to Madison Square Garden, where for the first time last night in this series, the home team won a game. Devils beat the Rangers 4-0. Akira Schmid now, in three starts for the Devils in this playoffs, has allowed just two goals. After the shutout yesterday, he has been otherworldly. But how much of it, I want to know, is him in net? Because he made 23 saves. It's not like it was 40-something saves or 38 saves or whatever it was. The Devils' defense has just tightened up. And to their credit, they're getting a little bit more physical. Rangers still have more hits, but they're getting a little bit more physical. They're sticking to their offensive game plan. And they scored a fluke goal 39 seconds into the game, and it changed everything, in my opinion. Uh, puck goes off of Rangers defenseman Adam Scott, uh, Adam uh, uh, Adam Fox's stick, flips over Igor Shesterkin. 39 seconds into the game, you're down one nothing. But give all the credit in the world to the Devils. You know, it's interesting when I did my analysis for the Dream Preview podcast this week on the criteria to win the Stanley Cup. Three teams met my criteria. Two teams met it right away. One team was very intriguing. The two teams that met my my criteria were the Bruins and the Stars. The Devils were the most intriguing team to me because if you put Akira Schmid in net, all of a sudden their goaltending numbers fit into my qualifying system. So, Because he only played 18 games in the regular season. So he didn't qualify as, like, for me to have a top 10 save percentage in the league. But now you put him in, look at what he's done in these three games. I got to be honest, if the Devils get past the Rangers, if they're able to win one of these next two games, I think they have a chance to go to the Stanley Cup final. And, man, I, I can't believe I've, like, gotten so many games wrong in this series because before the, the playoffs started, didn't I tell you, Mackenzie, if I had to pick one series to go to seven games, yep. 
it would be the Rangers and Devils. And now the Rangers are favored in game six to make it a seven game. Yeah, literally. Like, it's going to seven. Rangers are winning game six. I just don't know who's winning game seven. But this is this was the one series I said of all the series that's going to go to seven games. But you know what? We could have multiple game. We could have multiple seven game series. Here's what's on the line tonight: the Islanders at home will hope to force a game seven against the Hurricanes. Islanders are a slight home favorite. The Panthers on home ice tonight will hope to force a game seven. The Bruins though are heavy favorites on the road. They're minus 178. The Stars, or excuse me, the Wild on home ice will look to force a Game 7. They are small favorites. And the Avalanche on the road will look to force a Game 7. So far, only one team has been able to uh, close out a series, and that was Vegas finally doing it on home ice last night. I think the Kraken in this series. They have looked so good to me. Seattle is a hockey team? Yeah, they've looked so good in these games. They've scored first in every game of the series. Uh, I just think that there's a lot of mojo going on there. And tonight at Climate Pledge Arena. Now, do I expect... Climate Pledge Arena. I like it. That's what it's called. Do I, ex- do I expect the Avalanche to get a boost? Because Kel McCarr will be back. He was suspended for the last game. He'll be back. So, yeah, they should get a boost. But there's something about this Kraken team. Uh, I, I like I like, I like, like them to close this out. I like the Stars to close it out at the Wild. I like the Bruins to close it out at the Panthers. And uh, who knows? Hurricanes, Islanders. It's been such a gritty series. But you know what? I'll probably be wrong on all those picks. So just play the opposite. <laughs> well, obviously, as predicted, no run in the first inning between Dylan Cease and Shane McClain. I said the pitching matchup is... Sure, that was your play? It's too good. Your play? But then what happened in the second inning? All hell broke loose. Yeah. <laughs> but I, I don't care about that. That's yeah. the beauty. I mean, uh, like, this was tough, though. Like, if you looked at this matchup and said, Shane McClanahan, Dylan Cease, I'm going under. Nope. No. <laughs> nope. No, friends. Well over. And what's funny is when we were leaving, you were like, you gave out all these reasons, and you were like, I can't make that bet. The no run first inning. Yeah. You're like, you were just like, there's just too many. Well, too Tampa's, many the highest score, Tampa's like the highest scoring first inning team in baseball and and I just felt I couldn't I couldn't bet against them. There was the final the final in this game was 14 to 5 Tampa. Yeah. There was one inning where zero runs were scored. And that was the first <laughs> inning. That was the first Cash inning. It. The, 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 to yeah. the window, baby. There was, there was 27 hits in this game. There was 19 runs and in the first inning no runs. So the nerfy comes in. I had it all figured out, buddy. <laughs> all figured out. Uh, let's take a look at what we have. We have one day game today. The Twins uh, hosting the Royals. I think I'm going to go back to the well on an anti-Royals pick that I had the other day. Those feel strong. Yeah. Royal Anti-Royals pick. Anti-Royals pick. Uh, remember with uh, my boy Zach Gallon on the mound, yep. I said, boy, I, I just don't think the Royals are going to score off of him. So I'm going to go under one and a half runs in the first five innings for the Kansas City Royals, thinking that Zach Allen was going to shut him out through five innings. And he did, because, you know, that's what the dude does. He doesn't give up any runs. I feel the same way about Pablo Lopez in this game today. Pablo Lopez is coming off his worst start where he gave up five runs against the Nationals. I'm going to excuse that, though. Now you're asking, Scott. Scott, why would you excuse that? Why would you excuse I knew, what you I knew what I was asking before you said it. <laughs> like, the guy gave up 
five runs on eight hits in yeah. four innings, and you're just going to excuse it? He's a bummy bum. Why would you excuse that? Like, excuse me? No. Uh, Pablo Lopez. Ugh, as if. Pablo Lopez is from Venezuela. Pablo Lopez played his entire career in Miami. During that start against the Nationals in Minnesota, it was 30 degrees with a feel-like temperature in the 20s. Average temperature in Venezuela this time of year is negative 11 degrees. Sure. That dude... <laughs> no, but if you the say Arctic it... Can, tundra. Yeah. That's, what Google, that's what Google said. He looked so... I was watching that start like in disbelief. He looked so uncomfortable, you know, blowing into his hands every time he could. And I felt that the cold really affected so him. So you're saying he's soft. I'm saying he just can't pitch in cold weather. It sounds soft Here's one me. thing that does concern me. There's rain in the forecast in Minnesota. It's going to be about 50 degrees, 49 degrees. But there's rain in the forecast. Right now, about 50% chance of precipitation around first pitch. If he starts the game and goes two innings or three innings and then it gets delayed and he doesn't come back out to pitch and somehow the Royals score like two runs in the fourth or fifth inning, I'll be really pissed. So I don't know if I want to take a chance on it. Can I Can I get maybe you've had this opinion before. I just got to get this out here. Twins new uniforms are nice. Well, if you're the Twins, you build this new stadium. Why don't you put a yeah, retractable it's, roof it's, on it? It's yeah, it's like you know the weather's uh -huh. going to be bad there uh -huh. more often. Like, well, you hear the opposite argument for the Vikings. Like, why not take advantage of your your climate your elements? You know, yeah, put that, put all your opponents up in a weird spot. Yeah, there's um, it's a lot. Uh, it's 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 a big question as to why they didn't put a roof on, on the stadium. Like, you don't get I mean, guys from Venezuela that have never been in the cold to pitch for your team. Especially like if you look at how beautiful like the. The U.S. Bank Stadium, where the Vikings play, yeah. with like the glass. Like imagine, that. I mean, well, maybe there would be glare for baseball. I don't know, but it's just, um, yeah, they should have built a roof. They're gonna build a roof here in Vegas. It's smart. Yeah, well, climate control. Yeah, heat and stuff. sometimes it's too hot. Sometimes it's too hot. Too hot for baseball. Not too hot for the Aviators, but they don't care about minor league baseball. No, but guys. yeah, no, we're 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 gonna, we're gonna have a, a roof, a retractable roof here. I'm in telling. Vegas. Baseball wouldn't exist in Houston if there wasn't air conditioning. Mm. And I Las Vegas wouldn't exist if there wasn't air conditioning. I yeah. used to go to when I was a kid, like after my dad was a big Nolan Ryan fan, and we always went to the Astros games. And when Nolan Ryan got traded or, or became a free agent, went to the Rangers, back then you could fly for like fifty nine bucks on Southwest from Houston to Dallas, and we'd fly up and we'd we'd go watch Nolan pitch in Arlington. It was so miserable <laughs> because they had an outdoor stadium with no yeah. air. I was like. What were these people thinking? And, you know, finally, it took them two stadiums later. Mm -hmm. they, built, they built a new stadium and then pretty quickly realized, man, we really should have put a roof on this place. Yeah. So I think the life of that stadium, Globe Life or Choctaw, whatever mm -hmm. it was, has to be one of the shortest in, in MLB history because they were like, you know what? I know it's not decrepit and old, but it's too hot. We got to put a roof on this thing. So they built a new stadium. Yeah, it was built. It, it, it's, when was it built? What did it last? 20, 20 25 years? 1994 it opened not, up. So tw about 25 years. No, 20 years. Yeah. 20 years it lasted. Not even 20 years. <sighs> well, I mean, it's still in use. But, like, yeah, like the team was only there for 20 years. Yeah. They made a mistake. That's you got wild. If you live in an extreme climate. Mm-hmm. 
You've got to have a retractable roof. Because I agree, baseball is best when it's played outdoors. Yeah. On a nice day. Well, then you just open the roof. <laughs> then you just open the roof. Yeah. In Houston, oh, it's a nice day. You there get one some, of those like every every month or two. It is open kinda, the roof. It's there's something about the aesthetics though of an uh, an open air stadium. Like I remember the first time I went to a game in Arizona. It was one of the weirdest experiences I've ever seen. Because growing up my whole life, I've only known baseball stadiums to be open air, right? You look out into the outfield, and what do you see? Stands Mm -hmm. and the sky. When you're in – I don't know if you've ever been to Chase Field in Arizona. When you look out, it's just walls. Like, it's walls. The only sky you see is if you look directly up when the roof is open. The rest of the stadium is just – you're indoors. There's, it's so weird. It's just I'm a right weird experience. But you know what? You know what's nice? Air conditioning. Yeah, it's just not aesthetically pleasing, though. It's not, I don't know. I've always had the theory nice. that on the East Coast, it's so packed, it's so condensed, it's such a metropolis that you want to feel like you're on a farm every week, you know, if you go to the baseball park. You want to have that yeah. agriculture-type feel. Where if you're in Arizona, you get the wilderness, you get the whole desert landscape. You don't need to see the mountains. You don't need it. You don't need it. In New York and Boston, you need that one. Although in Colorado, it's beautiful. I mean, that stadium is gorgeous. The views are insane. It's just sometimes early in the year, it snows. Mm. (laughs) Same thing in Minnesota. Sometimes sometimes early in the year, it snows. But, yeah, rain in the forecast for Minneapolis. So we'll see if they get this. So if you landed on on play, we're going to play Lopez or we're going to fade Lopez? No, we're going to play it. Uh, I would just be – I would wait to see if this game has a delay or not. If it starts on time, I'd be concerned that there might be a delay. Monitor the weather. Right now, it does say around 4 o'clock Eastern time is when it's supposed to be about 55 to 60% chance of precipitation. And if there's a delay, no play? If there's a delay before the game starts, then, yeah, we still play it because okay. Lopez is going to start the game. Right, right, If right. there's no delay, but you're worried there might be I'm more. a little nervous yeah. that the game, unless, like, like during the broadcast, they say, hey, the 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 crew chief looked at the radar and they say, hey, we're going to get this whole game in. Yeah. You know, there's going to be no delay or whatever. Like the weather's passed or something like that. Uh, Orioles take on the Tigers. It's the battle of the Rodriguez's. Grayson Rodriguez against Eduardo Rodriguez. AJ, which Rodriguez are you going with? Oh, I think I'm not going with any Benny Rodriguez. Benny the Jet? Good choice. No Rodriguez. <laughs> That's a good one. It's a good one. But I'm going to go Rodriguez list today. Which? What's your recommendation? Uh, I like Baltimore. This is a team that won nine of their last ten games. They're playing really good baseball right now. So Baltimore, small road favorite. I'll back them. But other Rodriguez has been yes. really, really good. Yeah, so, sure. Yeah, I, I think maybe you can't. Maybe it's an under. Maybe you back both Rodriguez's. Mm. Uh, well, I can tell you that I think the odds on a Rodriguez getting the W is pretty good. Unless they, both it's not get no, unless they both get no yeah, decisions. It's true. Yeah. The Cubs are at the Marlins. Marcus Stroman, Jesus Lazardo. Pretty good pitching matchup here. Total low at 7.5 with the Cubs a minus 125 favorite. Rich Hill against Chad Cool as the Pirates take on the Nationals in D.C. Pittsburgh a minus 125 road favorite with a high total of 9. Makes sense with both of these pitchers. You keep bad mouthing Rich Hill. Remember, he's he yeah. spit in your face last time you did this to him. He's probably spitting on the baseball, too. <laughs> uh, the Mariners at the Blue Jays. This one, we've already seen movement on this spread. Not surprising to me because the Blue Jays were actually slight favorites, and the money has come in on the Mariners because Luis Castillo has been lights out to start the season. Has been better than Alec Manoa. Much despite, better than Alec Manoa. Despite and, the name brand yeah, being better. And Alec Manoa had his best start of the season against the Yankees his last time out, 
But other than that, he's been a big disappointment. I think he reverts back. We've seen this from pitchers this year. Chris Sale, who had a phenomenal start and then reverted back to being bad. I think the Mariners get to Alec Manoa here in this one. Although Toronto playing good baseball, they've won four straight games. Braves are at the Mets. Max Freed against David Peterson. I like Atlanta here going up against the lefty. And, and I think Atlanta reasonably priced as a small favorite on the road. Guardians at the Red Sox. Shane Bieber and the Guardians. Minus 145 in Boston? I get Nick Pavetta is, like, not great, but this is a big number for not a good offense in the Guardians. That's true. I don't know if I can Almost got swept by the Rockies. I don't know if I can trust that uh, offense, honestly. Uh, Let's take a look at the Rays at the White Sox. Zach Eflin, Lucas Giolito. Rays have to get right. Can you bet against the Rays? They have to get right. They have to get right. What do you mean? They they, they, they just scored 14 runs. Uh, True, but they they lost the series against the Astros. I think like the White Sox just as a series, like they they get right in this series. The White Sox have lost eight straight games. I think you just keep fading this team. Minus 160 honestly feels cheap. Uh, And Eflin's one of the guys for the Rays. that Mm -hmm. I I like backing them when they've got a guy like that on the mound. Here we go. Rangers minus 210 favorites against the Yankees. Makes sense. Clark Schmidt sucks. Jacob DeGrom against Clark Schmidt. Here's something that I do like. I might take a look at the under in the first five innings. Um, what might scare you is Clark Schmidt giving up runs. <laughs> yes, generally I can when see I have that. under five, but one of my concerns. But Jacob Degrom should not give up runs. And another big, big thing to pay attention to: Aaron Judge left last night's Yankee game early with hip discomfort. Uh-oh. The Yankees are in the middle of a stretch of 16 straight games without an off day. Judge DH'd a couple of days ago, so he kind of got like the half day off, right? Uh, it would not surprise me if tonight, facing Jacob DeGrom, Aaron Judge gets the night off. That makes sense. And if Aaron Judge is not in the lineup, the Yankee lineup of Anthony Volpe— Willie Calhoun, Franchi Cordero, this is DJ LeMahieu batting cleanup. This is not the Yankees lineup that we're going to see this season. And Jacob DeGrom is that elite. I think without, with the potential to not have Aaron Judge in the lineup, you got to fade the Yankees here. Is there any concern long-term for Aaron Judge or midterm? No. All right, because the reason I say that is because Shohei Atan is plus 115 now. He keeps ticking down. I feel like if I wait, he's going to be minus money favorite. I will have missed it. Uh, Otani got rocked on the mound right. by the A's yesterday. Mike Trout seven to one, but he also missed a home run. Uh, had a home run short of the cycle. He had a single, double, triple. He's the best player in baseball. Yeah, plus one fifteen is attractive to me. Uh, Aaron Judge is down to fourteen to one. By the way, yeah. Well, Judge is not having a good season, so I don't know if I would put Judge right now. As Vlad the... Guerrero, he's right there at fourteen to one. It's Otani. I think so. I mean, in the American League right now, what's what's Matt Chapman? Matt Chapman's having a phenomenal season. Uh, you know what? Here's let thirty-five me, to one. Let me throw something out there that may put pause on an Otani play. All right. Otani could be traded at the deadline, and if he goes to a National League team, oh, the bastard bookies, the bastard bookies. It'd they be would. hard for uh, him to win the MVP. He can't win, he can't win the AL MVP yeah. if he's in the National yeah. League, right? How about that? There's AL right here in the fine yeah. print. That's an yeah. interesting concern. Just something to think about. Yeah, but I mean, right now, like. Who leads the who leads the Rafael Devers leads the American League in home runs with nine. 
48 Joe, to 1. Joey Gallo's got seven bombs. How about that? What a, what a turnaround for him. Seven hits, seven bombs. Yeah. <laughs> but Matt, Matt Chapman's batting 364 right now for Toronto. He's got five dingers, 11 doubles. Nice bounce back for him. He's having a really, really good season. Some would call that a renaissance. Mm-hmm. Uh, let's move on here on the schedule. So, yeah, keep an eye on Aaron Judge's status for this game tonight. Angels at the Brewers. Uh, Tyler Anderson, Wade, Miley, Milwaukee, a minus-140 favorite. Astros hosting the Phillies. Houston, minus-145, rightfully so. Framber Valdez against Aaron Nola. Framber's the better pitcher right now, so Astros get the edge there. Merrill Kelly against Kyle Freeland. Arizona, a minus-135 road favorite at the Rockies. It's hard to not like Arizona for that one. A's host the Reds. Kyle Muller, who once struck out 24 straight guys no in way. high school. In, in, in a row? Yeah. In a row. He takes on Luis Sessa of the Reds. We have Luis Sessa with a 10.8 ERA. Kyle Muller with a 7.23 ERA. Kyle Muller's better. I can tell you this. I'm not <laughs> betting the under. Uh, and then the Cardinals take on the Dodgers. Cardinals got off the schneid with a win. Yesterday, congratulations. Uh, Jack Flaherty against Dustin May, L.A., minus 140. UFC action this weekend, Fight Night 223. I'm not great at numbering them, but I think it's 223 uh, on Saturday. And I got a best bet for you. Uh, I'm going to go to the undercard, and I'm going to go with Fernando Padilla. And Fernando Padilla against Julian Arosa. Padilla plus 130. Ooh, I like that. And Arosa is a he, he's a guy who washed out of the UFC, has come back, and has been pretty solid. He's got good knockout power. Here's what he does, though. He's a tall fighter who stands with his chin tall. Those guys get knocked out. And th- this is a guy in Padilla who fought a, a training partner of mine on the regional scene, like a pretty high-level guy who I thought would be in the UFC by now. He's obviously not in the UFC by now because Padilla absolutely torched this guy, like knocked him clean out. Uh, he is a, a nasty finisher, got good power in his hands. Both these guys do. One of them is extremely durable. One of them has proven not to have a chin. So give me the guy making his UFC debut, the young guy, the young lion with the chin, plus 130, Fernando Padilla, Against Julian Arosa. Plus, Julian Arosa's nickname is Juicy J. You have to go against that anyway. Yeah, that guy goes down. Yeah. Wow. I feel like fading the guy whose name is Juicy J. Well, there you go. Fernando Padilla. (laughs) Plus 130. I'll give you plus 130 to fade him. Well, if you want 20% off that uh, uh, fight card, because AJ, you're going to have more than that play on uh, pregame.com, right? So he'll have a fight card up. Uh, You can take 20% off of that, or you can take 20% off really anything at pregame.com. Maybe a, a weekend or all access. So you can pick your favorite pregame pro and get every pick over the course of the weekend in every sport. And you can take 20% off of that using the promo code FIGHT20. F-I-G-H-T, 20. That's how you spell fight. Fight20 gets you 20% off anything Say, say like. it again slowly. There's no G in fight. It's not the G. Figgit. Figgit. talking about? Fight20. off anything you'd like at pregame.com. So you can get a daily best bet package. You can get a subscription season long. Or I recommend the weekend all access because you get every pick from your favorite pregame pro. So I could get all of AJ's UFC and all his baseball? All his UFC, all his baseball, absolutely. NBA playoffs, whatever he gives out. I'm a wizard. You get it all. 
So he's been texting us plays on our text thread. I'm like, man, you should give these out. This is a winner. Monk over. Oh, I hate it. Made a lot of sense. <laughs> I hate you so much. Fight 20 gets you 20% off at pregame.com for Mackenzie Rivers and AJ Hoffman. I'm Scott Seidenberg. Have a great, profitable weekend. We are straight out of Vegas. AM.